Good morning, folks. Welcome to another edition of Coffee with Friends. This live stream may discuss trauma of all sorts to include all types of abuse. Viewers and listeners may find it unsettling and triggering. The guests on our live streams reflect a diverse set of values, morals, and ethics, which may not reflect the morals, values, and ethics of the misfit Amish. If this live stream causes you distress, please seek support from your trusted folks and qualified mental health professionals as needed. Please cease listening until you're ready to listen again. Thank you for listening to that disclaimer. And let me welcome and introduce to you Caleb. This is Caleb, and Caleb is somebody who is organizing a rally. This is the only reason I connected with Caleb, because Caleb is organizing a, ra a rally that is happening in Pennsylvania on June 5th at 11 a.m. on the steps of the Capitol building. So, Caleb, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Caleb Kaufman. I'm happy to be here and just kind of talk a little bit about my journey, my story, and I guess, you know, potentially answer questions and just kind of see what the space offers. Wonderful. So, Caleb, um, were you raised in an Amish or Plain family or what, what type of environment were you raised in? Yeah, um, I guess I'll try to explain the best as I can. So I was not raised Amish or I guess directly Mennonite, it would have been kind of a small family sect off of those. So my great grandparents were Amish. Um, so my grandparents grew up Amish. My dad grew up Mennonite. So kind of by each generation, they kind of left different, you know, phases of the culture. Um, so when I was born, my dad and his brothers had started this, you know, family owned independent church that was just kind of isolated off of those types of, you know, ancestry i guess if that makes sense so is it would you say it's almost like from the sounds of it like what i'm hearing is that for each generation your family removed themselves from like amish culture like they went from amish culture to mennonite culture to like yep. splitting off from mennonite culture but not being really mainstream culture yep yeah because it, it's <laughs> which almost makes it like it's very odd because it's yeah, I feel very unrelatable sometimes because it's like I'm not Amish, but I'm also I'm not Mennonite, but I'm definitely not, you know, in mainstream society. I grew up in a, I guess, kind of like a weird little cult bubble. Like it was family, you know, like a family religion and church where, you know, my dad and the uncles founded the church. They bought the land. They hired the pastor. So obviously they created all of the theology and like interpretation. So it was a family made up religion in a sense <laughs> based off of you know, being from, <laughs> based off of being from the Amish and Mennonite heritage. So it was okay, very okay. similar, like corporal punishment, um, all of that stuff. So like, let me, let me just say this, like, are you aware that the Mennonites came first and it was like Menno Simmons, like making his own religion, right? Like he made his own rules. That was the Mennonites. And then like a hundred right. years later, uh, like a, over a hundred years later, then Jacob Ammon came along and did the same thing with the Mennonites. So then to, to go from Amish to Mennonites to, to, to splitting off of that, to me, that's, that's quite frankly, like. I just don't quite understand. It was a very um, interesting world to grow up in. 
And then on top of it, you know, obviously we are here. I am a survivor of child sex abuse. So, you know, in that culture, very similar to a lot of the plain communities, there is a intense, you know, issue uh, over sexuality, and, you know, kind of how that's taught and how you're brought into that. And obviously, you know, what is experienced in the day to day, maybe not day to day, but you know what I mean? And the culture of the church um, and kind of the family culture. Today. Are you referring to the fact that like the culture itself maybe is still influenced because of those backgrounds and that cultural background, the church that they created and the culture, the environment that you were in was maybe affected by those deep held core beliefs. Like the, the culture of like silencing the culture of like, we don't yeah. talk about that which is inherently something that creates an environment where abuse can thrive and, and prosper. Because if you can't talk about something, it doesn't exist. Does it? It's not real. It didn't happen. Yeah. It's yeah. I think you have a lot of that. I do think similar thoughts where at, at this point in time, based on my memories and just interpretation of my experience, it seems like, you know, there's, it seems like there's a direct correlation to these things intentionally being, you know, inflicted, obviously. And that's hard to kind of like wrestle with and accept. Um, but I do believe that the church, man, what a perfect place for a, a predator to be, right? Like, it's just like the perfect cover up. And yeah, it, it is, I, it is like that. Sadly, actually, it is. I actually know of, of a specific type of Anabaptist church. I will not name the church because I don't think that it will bring any benefit to name the church that has invited convicted registered sex offenders into their fold and given them a space after they had been convicted. Mm. Wow. And to wrap my head around that, I have to say this. So when we talk about the similar undertones, like in the last 20 years, I have had survivors from all walks and ways of life reach out to me and share their stories privately. And I'm here to tell you that abuse knows no boundaries. I don't care what group of people you are in. I don't care if it is like the Pope. I don't care if it is the government agencies. I don't care if it's the military. Matter of fact, I know for a fact, as somebody who served in the military, sexual abuse and assault happens in the military. So does child sexual abuse. Believe it or not, it happens. Just like it happens within law enforcement, within healthcare professionals. We see this where doctors get arrested. But at the end of the day, what this rally is about, what is hmm. a rally? Tell me what a rally is. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk me, about the rally. Because so. to me, that's like a whole other subject. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go so ahead. out of, you know, so I remember started remembering my um, abuse, you know, when I was almost in my 30s. So it was like late 20s. I'm 37 now. So for at least, you know, 10 plus years, I've been walking this journey of healing and working through, um, you know, memories and just accepting and going through the layers. And through that, um, I've had a really beautiful awakening. Um, I found a lot of love and healing and happiness, even amongst all of the darkness. Um, so I guess I'd like 
that's why I still like to, you know, I believe in spirituality and the force, whatever you want to call it, the universe. Um, because through all of this darkness, I have found hope and love and light. And that's what this rally is about. So we're talking about the rally of like, you know, what it comes down to is as I was wrestling, as I've been wrestling too, of like, well, sheesh, you know, how do you look at all this through a perspective of love, which is what I usually try to do because that's where I've found the most healing. And for me, the rally then became love must include justice and justice includes recognition and recognition means that there's awareness and for other people to be aware, I need to speak. So ultimately the rally became about, this is a space where I need to vocalize and share my story so all of us can heal because we're not going to find healing as survivors until we feel safe. And how can we feel safe when we're not being acknowledged and we're still being told that didn't happen or you have demons in your head or whatever story you're Oh being my God. Let me interject told, so. here real quick. Yeah. So, you know, I made the TikTok video to raise awareness for the rally and hopefully let people in Pennsylvania know that this rally is happening, blah, 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 blah. Would you like to hear right. feedback that I got of it this morning? <laughs> sure, let's hear it. Bullshit. You are Satanist. Leave the Amish alone, you damn demon. Wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, you completely missed the point. Like, like you were talking about this being an act of love, an act of justice for survivors and showing yep. love for survivors is to show solidarity it is to stand up for our rights it is to organize to demand that we must have justice and it doesn't just mean just amish survivors i'm talking about survivors in the state of pennsylvania there are hundreds of thousands of survivors in the state of pennsylvania and to show love for all of them, we have to collectively demand that from our lawmakers. Would you agree? I agree. Hence the rally. So <laughs> that's why we're out here. We got to speak up. We got to show them. We got to show them that this is not like a minority almost. You know what I mean? The exposure and the rally to me became very important to get a lot of people out because that's how you that's how you that's how the system works sadly you know what i mean we have to be re like very real with our dorky practical system and how the government works how laws are changed and i've spent the last years um working as an advocate in the cannabis industry so i've built relationships with senators and representatives i've been meeting in those halls the last two years so i've learned what does it actually take to get something done here what does it look like i helped pass hb 16 which allowed local PA hemp farmers to sell into the medical cannabis market. Um, so time developed and I learned those skills and then I became aware of this legislation. I was like, this is crazy. We need more awareness. We need people to understand. So really um, this is about passing that law and helping survivors have a space to heal and completely exposing the inconvenient truth that has been laying before all of us and that all of us little children who were sexually abused have been carrying around our entire lives. And so this is the moment where we speak out and we say enough is enough and we need to set okay. the children free and we need to protect society and we need to make space for our stories. There needs to be space for our stories to be shared, even though they are heavy and hard, because if we can't share our stories, then we're never going to heal. 
um, because that's what it feels like. feels like I'm just this inconvenience to society to have to talk about these things. I'll pause there. It's a lot. I mean, not just I'm an inconvenience, but also another thing, and I know we've talked about this, but another thing is, is people speak in various ways. And I am here to tell you, if a survivor speaks passionately, imagine what they must live with. Imagine how they feel. And if they speak and their voice trembles, imagine what they're living with. Stop your judgment about how survivors speak. Stop tone policing them. Stop telling them you can't say that. Or maybe you shouldn't say it that way. Or maybe you shouldn't lift your voice with the passion you feel about this project because you've been sitting there and living with the effects for a long time. And you've seen what people do. do. And you've seen what society collectively does to survivors repetitively. Telling us, let it go calling us satanic, demonic, etc., is literally you projecting your own feelings and thoughts onto survivors. And it says a whole lot more about you and what kind of person you are than it does about the survivor who lifted their voice and spoke. No matter if they speak like Caleb does or they speak like me, it doesn't matter. Our stories are valid, we matter, and our voices matter. So, I don't know. What do you think? Am I wrong in saying that? Definitely not. It takes an immense amount of courage to honor the feelings and memories within. I I talk a lot about the hardest part of this is, you know, people ask, well, did it really happen? Did this, you know, like, did it happen? You're just making it up. Like, you don't think that I ask myself that inside my own head, you know, all the time, my entire life, you know, not my entire life, but since I've remembered these things, like, it's a tough battle. So for someone to get to the point where they can wrestle through that repetitively, repetitively, um, and I say that meaning like, to wake up year after year and day after day and have these memories come like there's a reason for that like i don't want to sit around and make this up um so honoring that and getting to that place where you can accept that and know that you need help and go to therapy and do all those things takes an immense amount of courage so however it comes out and whenever it comes out i definitely support each individual story um, because it's going to look different. It's, it's very hard to walk down this road, which is why there's very few people speaking out as child sex abuse survivors. Um, it's, it's really hard. And then people are like, well, maybe it's not as big of a problem because, you know, we don't hear about it. Well, you don't hear about it because it's that big of a problem. It's that scary that people just haven't hardly been able to accept that it's possible. Would you agree that we also don't hear about it because people see how survivors who do speak out are met when they speak a little bit less acceptable ways to society? 
Like if we don't speak the way that society has decided that we must speak, for for women or AFAB people, the very common one that survivors of CSA get when they speak is literally, you're angry, you're aggressive, you're you're unforgiving, you're bitter, you're just all the, all of these things, and it's like their concern is about the tone of my voice or their idea, their perception when we speak about it. And we speak with the emotions and we have reconnected with those emotions because a lot of us use disassociation as a coping skill. Pretty sure you know what that is. And when we no longer disassociate and when we talk about it, the way we talk about it comes out like we are in connection with our emotions. And then we get labeled as all of those things. Unforgiving. And also demon. I can't, I can't let that go. I'm I'm going to have laughs for days about that. It is a a hard reality for people to accept. It really is, which makes them do really cruel, mean, emotional, manipulative things that they don't really even understand. But do you think that's part of the reason why survivors don't feel free to speak and feel unheard and alone? It's, yeah, I mean, there's just not space for it. Yeah. So with this rally, we're making a space. Yep. It's a, you know, even though it's in public um, and there does come some, you know, come some anxieties and fears of having to publicly speak out, it is a safe space in the sense of you will be, you know, we're going to be with each other as survivors. um, And that's why this is important to connect as a community because, you know, for a long time I've done this alone and I think every survivor does, hence how you attain the title of survivor. <laughs> you walk a path alone, you survive it, you manage to end up here alive on today's date in, you know, 2023. May 28, 2023. 20, okay, so 5 28, I'm still alive. Oh, and, and, and another thing I want I wanted to ask you is like, so you talk about the memories, having repressed memories that resurface. That's Mm, what you're talking about. This doesn't mean that a survivor is lying. When somebody has repressed those memories, it simply means the trauma was so big and so harmful that as a child or wherever they were in life at that point in time when it happened and occurred, their brain said, you can't deal with this now. And then when you kind of get to like a safe place, your brain's like, um, hello, do you remember this? Let's, let's deal with this now. And it kind of throws you for a loop. And so that's discombobulating to like, to experience. And it also, I like to say, Go ahead. I, say, I like to say you like you don't get to choose what you wake up with. Right. You know, and that's the bitter and the sweet. Right. Life is a gift. You don't get to choose it. It is given to you. And every day you get to enjoy this beautiful experience. But at the same time, you also sometimes get handed other people's choices and those things. And, you know, you wake up every day at this point and. I don't get to choose what I feel. I don't get to choose what memories pop in my head today. I don't choose what kind of, you know, emotions I'm going to have to wrestle with Uh to a certain extent. I just wake up and I I manage it. I work through it. I accept it. I use it to grow. I use it to maybe help educate. And you you learn how to survive, live, and adapt, you know, within that. So for me, and a lot of my listeners already know this, um, I don't. 
I don't necessarily struggle with repressed memory so much, but what I still have today, I have night terrors. I used to walk mm. and sleepwalk and stuff like that. So like part of what I do is, and I, I love how you worded that, is you said um, you get to wake up and you get to choose. So for me, it's my night terrors have gotten better. I'm telling you there is, there is help for it to some extent. It can get better. Definitely. I don't sleepwalk anymore. I haven't sleepwalked in years. I'm really, really proud of that. Because I did a lot of work to get to where I don't sleepwalk almost every week. And I don't have a night terror every night. But there are still times where I will wake up literally just, just in like full on panic mode brought on by a night terror. I didn't get to choose that. So for the sure. people who tell me, just why don't you just let it go? That's in the past. Y'all, it's not in the past if I'm still reliving it in my night terrors. If it's not in the past, is Caleb well, yeah, still yeah. having repressed memories resurface and having to focus and and work through those? I've definitely, you know, within the last couple of months, woke up gasping for breath. Literal. <gasps> like that's how I woke up. Heart it was pounding. not a fun, you know, it was not a fun, not a fun nightmare, whatever you want to call it, memory nightmare, thing. night terror. You know, it was definitely not fun. Um, yeah, yeah. You part of it, I guess. You didn't choose that. I didn't choose that. None of us do. Anybody who experiences that, you didn't choose that. And I just want to say, like, as far as like going out and like speaking, the thing is, is sometimes that can actually bring up more things. And I want everybody yeah. who's considering speaking to consider your safety. First, number one, consider your safety. If you are not safe to speak, please don't. And if you are safe to speak, please consider what you might need for support and to feel supported. And if you want to reach out to like, some of the people that are going to be there or to your supporters, to people you know are healthy for you to be around and ask them for support beforehand, there is nothing wrong with communicating that need for support. Again, we are not alone in this. And this is much bigger than just abuse that happens in Amish or Plain communities. CSA happens in communities around the world. Wherever there is a group of people, there are people who commit crimes. Excellent point about safety. Yes, I don't want people to feel like this is their only chance because the other thing is, is there will be other opportunities to speak because we will keep fighting for this and we will keep working on this and we will keep speaking up. We will keep exercising our rights to speak in this country. And when people are ready and when people are safe and they join us, then we will eventually get to the place where we will be able to make it to where survivors have a space. That's my, my hope. What do you think? Yeah, that's definitely what I'm fighting for in this, you know, because there's no way I am going to accept that this is the way reality needs to be. Um, 
you know, I just walk into the fears because at the end of the day, it's either we're going to accept that this is the way things are and we just stay silent or we're going to rise up and collectively say, this is not the reality we want to live in. Like we get to create reality. So this is the time to do that. This is a shift um, that needs to happen. You know, we all know about the fight versus, uh, you know, good versus evil, right versus wrong. There's something that innately is within every human being that has that knowledge and knowing. And that's what this is about. You know what I mean? It, it's within, but it's also in our society. And if we can stand up together and say, hey, this is not what we want. It's not what we accept. This is not love. This is not light. This is not kindness. This is not caring for children. You know, we don't accept it. And we, we come together and we just nicely say that, you know, we don't. And if sometimes you're angry about it, that's fine. But I guess nicely, I mean, like peacefully, we come together, we make a bunch of noise and we say, this is garbage, change some law and help us create a safe space where we can exist in society and have emotional support, um, you know, financial support and just be able to exist and heal our bodies because it's hard to be able to heal when you're just running and running and running, you know, just moving and moving. Um, so we want to create safe spaces to be able to do that. And the other point about that is, is safe spaces can look different for pe different people. And another thing, so it, is this rally only for Amish or plain survivors, Caleb? No, this is for, for anybody. This is for the children. Uh, like if you're, I'm on social media a lot and a lot of what I'm trying to do and represent is speak for my voice, but also speak for the children who cannot yet speak. Um, we have a whole generation of children. I have two kids right now, three, a three-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I want them to grow up in a society where I feel like they are safe and protected. And that means speaking out and calling out perpetrators and making it a reality that's safe. Um, and this is not limited to plain or Amish. Um, this is this is for any child that has been forced to experience sexual abuse. And I guess I like to clarify too, like I, I call myself a child, you know what I mean? Because in a lot of ways, I wasn't able to grow up. Um, you know, the, there was some crazy stuff that happened as a kid and yes, I'm in a grown up body, but aren't we all just kids at heart? You know what I mean? Who's, who's really, so I guess I say that of like, this is about setting us free. It's about setting me free. I'm the child that needs set free. You're the child that needs set free. And then also, yes, there are other children out there. I live in Lancaster County. I was just driving down the road yesterday, passing buggies and passing little girls hanging out the back of, you know, buggies. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I know this world. Like I come from this place. I know what goes on here. And I want to make sure that I use my voice to speak for those children who cannot, who are not yet aware, who are not yet capable, um, because as we can call out perpetrators and come together, we create safety for those children. So just two things I want to add. One of our commenters said it's also for parochial school survivors. The other part is, actually I lied, three things. The other part is, is they may also not have language to express themselves or describe what is happening to them. And for us, the PA Dutch language barrier is significant, whether people realize it or mm. not. And, and the other question that I have for you 
is so what about people who want to support survivors? Can they just show up at this rally? Yeah, I would hope that they do. Honestly, I have a lot of, you know, friends and family members or people that I've known throughout, you know, just life and just doing business with that are going to come out and support. Um, there are members from the Boy Scouts that'll be there. That is a big issue in Boy Scouts. You know, it's a big issue wherever there are large amounts of children. So it's it's church, it's state, it's schools, it's Boy Scouts. It, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. I will say this. I think that every single family deals with this issue globally I, I i think that like global yes this is a this is a global pandemic this is this is not good and we need to verbalize this we need to speak up and and we need to just we need to bring some healing and love and light because you know what in my experience of being on planet earth for planet earth for 37 years there's a lot of good people out there and people uh -huh. are wanting to see good and kindness. They want to treat people nicely. Oh, my little. All right. It's okay. Hi. Can we take a pause here for a second? Sorry. Oh yeah, sure. Hello. Oh, well, we can just, we can just end this too, if you want. Um, but I think like what Caleb was talking about, how like abuse is a problem within every group of people globally is a really important point because we far too often what people don't understand is what we mean when we say we use our voices to speak for the children who don't have the ability to do so for me that results in a very specific way of speaking i talk about my experiences i was born into an eve troyer amish church and said so therefore because of that I talk about the Amish experience of being abused and people often confuse that with um, basically that, taking it to mean that I believe that abuse only that only happens in Amish communities. That's not it at all. What it is, is that abuse happens in Amish communities and we must collectively work together to lift our voices so that when we all band together, the Catholic survivors, the, the ex-Muslim survivors, the um, JW survivors, the Baptist survivors, the Fundy survivors, the Exmo survivors. I've even had Methodist survivors, y'all. I have had Protestant survivors. I've had pro uh, survivors from so many different denominations of religion specifically reach out to me and share their stories purely for the reason because I talked about it from my personal experience as living inside of Amish culture. And so when we start understanding how all of this intersects, we start understanding that abuse is not just a local problem. It's not just a one community problem. It is a global problem. Like Caleb said, it is a global pandemic. Hi, yeah. welcome back, Caleb. Yeah, thank you. Sorry for that. Oh, no, you're fine. No problems. The operative word is collectively. Yes. Yes. Now, I think that one of the big things is I'm supposed to speak a little bit at this rally. And I just want to tell y'all, like, if you're a survivor, Caleb has heard what I'm going to say. And 
I honestly feel like if, if I know Caleb's going to be there standing there along with some of my other friends that are going to be there, I feel like I'm much more supported, supported and able to speak because as many of you know, like when I talk about some of the things I experience, there's a lot of grief there. And because I'm autistic, it comes out in ways that many people do not understand. And also because I really have big emotions about it. It comes out in ways that people do not understand. So with that being said, I'd like to hand it back over to Caleb. Oh, I was man. just rambling. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where we want to go from here. I mean, so quick snapshot rally June 5th, right? June Step 5th. Capital. Capital steps in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 11 a.m. It'll be an hour. So it's, you know, not a huge part of your time, but come out, support. Uh, yep. We're going to be speaking. We're going to be sharing our stories. Um, and then directly following that, um, the Senate will have a session. So we did strategically plan this on a day where, you know, if the Senate can go into that building, they could sit down and they could pass it right there in the moment. There's no reason that they can't do that from a legislative standpoint. So they have the paperwork, the laws have been written, that's all waiting on a big stack of papers basically that they can say, yep, we're gonna pick this one today and we're gonna pass it, done. So yep. it's not hard. Again, the rally is important because hey, if we come out and we say, look, do you see how many survivors are here? Do you see how many people are actually you know, have to live in these realities and participate in this that need help and that, you know, we need to change a law to support them. Yes, that's what we're here to do. So, you know, that's yep. kind of the summary. Pretty much. And to be clear, if you're an Amish or Plain survivor and you want to speak, contact Caleb, somebody, right? Yeah, you can, um, I'm trying to think, I'm on social media, so you can reach out there or on the event page, you could send a message there. Um, there is going to be an open mic after a lot of the keynote speakers share um, for anyone that is a survivor to come up and, you know, share their story for 30 seconds or whatever and just say like, oh. hey, here's where I am. So okay. if you're in the Thank crowd you. and you're coming, there will be space for, for you to speak. And, um, you know, obviously it's a big moment. But that's why we're all doing this together, because um, I think I saw the word collectively. Yeah. Pop up. That, that's no what one. They're the collective here of people to support one another and to, you know, help. Yeah. Yeah. And no one needs to know what it feels like to be the lone face. Correct. Because that's what we've all done long enough. We've survived alone, quietly, you know, just... Uh -huh carrying our burdens and it is time to let society carry that burden because it is not right for us to carry the sins of another you know as a survivor you should not have to carry that secret you should not have to deal with that on top of having to deal with everything else and that comes when you're ready obviously because i am only now at this point you know she's well out 10 years into my journey and maybe some people it takes 30, maybe it takes 40, it's, you know, it's, it's so maybe some people person. take 50 years. Correct. It doesn't matter. You know? There's no right or wrong way to heal from the childhood sexual abuse that many of us have experienced. Just, yeah, it, it happens at different times in our lives. Um, but there will be space for, you know, everyone to share their story if they'd like to do that. 
Uh And then if you're somebody who wants to stand with survivors, please show up. We need you. We need you to stand with us because I will tell you, like sometimes throughout my life, some of the people who have helped me understand certain things is the people who I tell them a funny story and they look at me and they're like, that's horrible and horrific. And I'm like, but it was funny. And they're like, that's not funny. And I'm like, but it was because what they did is they made me realize that that specific event wasn't in fact as non-traumatic as I thought it was. Mm. If that makes sense. Like people are horrified by things that were just a normal part of my life. If that makes sense. And yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. That part. That part, I was just telling you a story, you know, it wasn't like, and I thought it was funny. And so I'm like, oh, well, you know, and they're like, eyes as wide as saucers, just looking at me like, that ain't funny. And I'm well, like, laughter okay. is a good medicine, right? And that's, that is fine. And it's good to sometimes to like take super large traumatic events and bring some humor to them. Because sometimes there's not really <laughs> much else to do. <laughs> facts i will advocate for humor as a coping skill it is one of my most often used things like i i use humor a lot um because it makes me very happy and on that note i i have a very good i'm about to end this but i have a very good um thing that i want to say about life after living with cptsd um for me i i want to say that I did not invite the addition of CPTSD that gives me the inability to stay asleep. That addition was not wanted. And I I realized the other day that I have receipts. Can I just like return it to sender, Caleb? Can, Can I do that? Is it possible? I don't know. I mean, would be nice if it worked like that, wouldn't it? We can try, right? And the other one I really like to return to sender, that is PTSE edition, is the one where um, people make me very, very, very nervous. That one. Hmm. Just in general? Social anxiety edition. That one. Yeah. But other than that, thank you so much for coming on and sharing I'm going to give a brief recap, but if you have any parting thoughts, please leave them now. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's this is a needed thing, and I'm definitely been showing up to my life every single day, you know, for the betterment of mankind, for the betterment of myself, and just trying to really be um, you know, a vessel of love and light on planet Earth, because I do genuinely think at the end of everything, that's where where all this stems. And I'm willing to fight through all this crazy bullshit and get justice and, you know, help fight for others to find uh, space to heal. Because no child deserves this. No child deserves to be unsafe in their bed at night. No child mm-hmm. deserves to live with night terrors for the rest of their lives. Nobody deserves that. Nobody asks for it. And until they are all safe, we cannot stop. And part of my journey is to bring justice for survivors and to advocate for justice 
for survivors. And so that's why I will be joining Caleb at this rally, because I believe that is part of my journey. Regardless of how people respond, sometimes people really don't like to hear the truth. And sometimes the truth really hurts. And sometimes the truth is, is that we must collectively work together to get this done. We, as a society, have a collective responsibility to ensure the safety of children from all walks and ways of life. Therefore, if we do not work for this, I'd ask you, are you part of the problem or part of the solution? And I'd ask you to think about if you're unwilling to do the work to show up to support survivors of child sexual abuse, what do your actions say about you? Think about it. Because we can't be both part of the problem and part of the solution. And your actions will always show people who you are. And I truly believe that there will be a large group of people who will show up, who will stand with survivors, who survivors who will show up, survivors who will be there, survivors who will speak, because we know that we have to do this. We can do better than this. We can provide safety for children in our communities. And part of that is promoting legislation that provides survivors an avenue for litigation, and especially civil litigation. So I'm calling on you, if you live in Pennsylvania, show up, please show up. We need your support. And we're gonna do this one way or the other, no matter how long it takes until every child is safe. So thank you again, Caleb. Again, the rally is June 5th, on the steps of the Capitol at 11 a.m. in Harrisburg, PA. Everybody's welcome to show. There will be an open mic session for all survivors to speak, and I can't wait to see all of you there. Have a good day.